Luke chapter 5. There's a story here in the fifth chapter of Luke. Simon, he had fished all night and he caught nothing. And now he is, he's cleaning his nets. And Jesus, he is, he's actually borrowed one of his boats, Jesus has, and, and he's, they pushed it off the wheel, shoreline, and Jesus is actually using this boat as a, as a platform, if you will, so that he can teach to the people who had gathered there on the shoreline. And as Jesus concludes his teaching that day, he, he sees Simon, and he sees that Simon is very discouraged. Simon is in a weak moment in his life, and Jesus says something to Simon. He gives him a commandment. He, he gives him a command. He tells him something to do. He simply says, why don't you go fishing again? He, he just kind of offers a suggestion to, and a command to, to Simon. He says, why don't you go fishing again? Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a, cat, for a catch. And here's where I want to pick up in verse 5. It says, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Listen to this next word. This next word is key. This next word is crucial. He says, we have toiled all night and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, would you say that with me today? Nevertheless. In other words, because you said it, for no other reason, everything in the natural is telling me, don't even listen to what you're saying. Don't even, don't even, don't even entertain the command that you're giving, but just simply because you said so. Because it was you who said it, nevertheless, at your word, I will was break on the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their other partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. These fishermen on that seashore that day, they went from no fish one hour to now two boatloads of fish in the very next hour. This was a miracle moment. Just for a little while this morning, I want to talk about miracles. Can we talk about miracles for a little while? Am I the only one in the room, I don't believe I am, who believes that God still works in miracles? He still performs miracles in our lives. You might have walked into this room today in need of a miracle in your life. I want to tell you something, you came to the right place. You're at the right spot at the right time because I believe that God wants to do the miraculous. I believe he's still performing the miraculous in our lives today. This became a miracle moment in the life of Simon and those disciples. Right when they thought, right when they thought it was time to quit, God caused this miracle moment to happen in their lives. God took what looked like a hopeless situation and for them he turned it around in a moment in just an instant, a miracle moment. And rather than them going home with nothing that day, they began to make their way to the market with two boats walked full of fish. I want this morning for us as a church family, if you've walked in here today as a guest, whoever you are and wherever you come from today, I want us to get stirred up today about these heaven-initiated miracle moments that bring answers to prayers, that bring answers to questions, these heaven-initiated moments that open doors of opportunity in our lives, these moments that bring answers for prayers of provision, prayers for healing, prayers for restoration, these moments that bring about the miraculous changes that we need in our lives. We know that God is all-powerful. We know this. We know that he is the only one who can perform miracles. He is the miracle worker. He's the only one who can turn things around in our lives and change things. However, however, we are learning something as we grow in this life of faith. As we grow in our relationship with the Lord, there is something we are learning that miracle moments begin in us. They begin in us. We think of miracles as that event that happened, that outcome or that result that, 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 that came. But the miracle begins not with the, not with the fireworks and the goosebumps and, and this thing that happened and this demonstration or, or, this, or, 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 or this outcome that we look at. The miracle begins in us. It begins with that or even that transformation that happens within us, whether it be our attitude or, or even our routines, certainly our 
our perspectives, what happens inside our hearts, what happens with our choices. These are the things that can be the catalyst. These are the things that are the catalyst that position us to experience the miraculous in our lives, what happens in us. The miraculous, these miracle moments, they're not designed for us just to sit around and twiddle our thumbs and just hope and hope and hope without end. Hopefully this will happen, and I hope this happens. No, it begins in us. If we go back to our story when Jesus said to Simon, he said, go fishing. This was out of the norm. This was not an ordinary thing. This would not be the normal dialogue between Jesus and a professional fisherman. He would do this one other time that we read about, but, but this would not be a normal type of uh, command or suggestion. Jesus, who's the non-fisherman, didn't give fishing instructions to the professional fisherman. That's not what he did. That wasn't the normal thing to happen. Jesus dealt with the kingdom stuff, and Simon dealt with the fishing industry. And, and they both understood their place in the relationship. And considering the fact that this professional fisherman had now, been, had now been fishing all night and had caught nothing, Simon knew better than anybody that this was not the right time to go fishing. This was not a normal request. This was not an ordinary thing that Jesus was asking Simon to do. Let me just say it this way. If you're taking notes, this will be, a, this will be something for you to write down. If God asks us to do something out of the ordinary for him, it's because he wants to do something out of the ordinary for us and in us. If God is calling us and compelling us to do something, if he's, if he's challenging us, if he's stretching us, if he is calling us and, and reaching out to us to do something ordinary for him, it's ultimately because he wants to do something, or, uh, he wants to do something out of the ordinary for us. One thing that I've discovered in my relationship with God is this. What he wants more for me than anything we know that God wants good for our lives. We know that God has good plans for our lives. We know this, but what I believe with all of my heart that what he wants for us more than anything is for me to have faith in him and his word in every area of my life. Yes, he wants to see a good outcome in our life. And yes, we believe that God is going to bring about a good result and end in our life. But I believe God's greatest desire for us is to strengthen and develop that deep-rooted faith and trust in him and in his word. It won't always be it won't always be about my convenience. Let me just put it that way. It won't always be about my preference and how I want it to play out, but it will always be putting me in a position to experience something better, to experience something bigger, to experience something heaven sent, something that's out of the ordinary, something more. I'm going to just tell you something. I, I wake up every day of my life desiring and wanting more. That sounds a little selfish. That sounds a little greedy, doesn't it? But I'm not talking about more material things. I'm not talking about more money. I'm not talking about bigger houses and more cars. I'm talking about more of God in my life. I want more of his, I want more of his will and, and, and plan to be fulfilled in my life. I want to go to the next place and the next level. I don't want to live on this plateau. I don't want to just live in this status quo. I don't want to just stay here. I don't want to wake up 10 years from now and be where I am today. I, I want to always be moving. I want more. But I believe it begins in us, and it begins with us developing a deep love and honor for his word and, and, and being able to trust his word and have faith in his word and obey his word. It is always about God working all things together, bringing all the pieces together so that all things truly do work for good. What happens is, is when we get discouraged with the lack of results, then in those I don't know how many of you have ever been there before. You get discouraged with the lack of results. And then in those moments, we oftentimes, we jump to conclusions and we quit what we're doing. We quit what we're doing. Our marriage isn't going the way as well as we had hoped that it would be. Uh, we were somehow let down or disappointed by our spouse. And so now our first thought is quitting. I, I, I can just escape this thing. People quit school. People quit jobs. People will quit going to church. People just leave, they escape, they quit because it seems like that's the easier thing to do because they're not getting the results that they thought they were going to get. 
I'm not seeing the outcome that I wanted to see. I'm not getting the results that I wanted, so here's what I'll do. I'll quit. I'll abandon ship. I'll run. What I believe God really wants is for us to simply make a nevertheless move. For us to make a nevertheless move in some slight way from the way that we've always done it. Well, I've always done it this way. This is the way, this is just who I am. This is just how I think. This is just how I respond. Well, you know what? How's it working for us? That's the question. We got to look ourselves in the mirror sometimes and say, if it's not working, I need to do something different. I need to make a nevertheless move in my life. I believe his this not is for us to make a move out of the ordinary. To make a move that's not the norm, that's not the ordinary. Our ordinary way of thinking, our normal plans and reactions, a nevertheless move from our ordinary perspective and attitude out of the ordinary. I don't want to do it the way I've always done it. Because if I always do what I've always done, I'll always get what I've always gotten. The definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. Let's do something out of the ordinary. Let's make a nevertheless move, because I believe he knows that if we can make the nevertheless move out of the ordinary, it opens us up to the extraordinary that I believe he and he alone can do in our lives. I'm convinced, I truly believe that God desires to do the extraordinary in all of our lives, but it often begins with that nevertheless move in us nevertheless nevertheless i love ephesians 3:20 when it says and to him to him who can who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all more than we can ever ask or think but here's the less here's the rest of the verse according to the power that works in us God is more than able. He is all-powerful. But we work and make room for that. There must be a capacity inside of us to see the miraculous work and hand and power of God in our lives. And it begins with us being able to make that nevertheless move. God, it doesn't make any sense to me. God, I'm bitter about this. God, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. But nevertheless, just because you said it, and when you make that nevertheless move in your life, you all of a sudden open up the floodgates. You open up and there's all of a sudden a capacity capacity for God to begin to pour his spirit and his life, his vision and his purpose into our lives. I've done going to preaching, folks. Where's my handkerchief? Many times we've been guilty of giving up in the place of discouragement or in the place where we're not seeing the results that we thought we should be seeing at this point. We're not stuck because God wants us to quit. Being stuck doesn't mean it's a sign from God that it's time to quit. Many times we're stuck because God is asking us to do something out of the ordinary because he's wanting us to do, because he wants to do something extraordinary in us and for us. So he's simply asking us, make the nevertheless move. Just because you're stuck doesn't mean jump ship. Just because you're stuck doesn't mean quit or run or abandon the, the process. Just because you're stuck, it means now it's time to say, God, nevertheless, I don't feel it, I don't, I, it, I, I don't even see it, but because you said it, I will do this. I, I believe there's too many people abandoning their marriages today. Because they're not willing to do the nevertheless move and step in their life. They're not willing, they're not willing to put themselves aside and say, you know what, I, I, everything inside of me is saying run. Everything inside of me is saying I'll be happier over here. Everything in my feelers is telling me I ought to do this and I ought to do that. But God, I know your plan and your will is for me to remain committed to my family and my spouse and to see your, see your glory come uh, demonstrated in everything that happens and see a testimony come from our family and our life. So nevertheless, I will stay and I will seek you and I will love my spouse and I'll love my family. Nevertheless, let's be open. Let's be ready to act on God's word, to act on his guidance, his instruction, even when it goes against everything we think makes logical and rational sense to us. Because his ways are far above our ways and his thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. We're not on his plane all the time. He's just beckoning us and he's compelling us and he's calling us. And all he's asking for us to say is, nevertheless, 
nevertheless, at your word. When he's compelling us to move into an area or a direction that is out of our normal, he is actually repositioning us that we have for what he has in mind for our future. Aren't you thankful for that today? Aren't you thankful that we have a God that loves us so much that he'll allow us to be in uncomfortable places sometimes, that he will allow us into a place sometimes that, that draws us out of our comfort zone, that draws us out to say he loves us so much that he's wanting to stretch us beyond who we are today, and he calls us into those nevertheless move places in our lives, the out of the ordinary. For Simon that day, it was simply reloading his nets, the ones he had just got done cleaning, putting them back onto the boat and getting out, going out into the deep, physically exhausted, mentally depleted, with nothing left in the tank. And in the middle of that place, nothing made logical sense. Nothing made rational sense to a professional fisherman that day to say, I'm going to go back out and I'm going to do what he said. But just because Jesus said it, just because it was his word, Simon said, nevertheless, nevertheless, because you said it at your word. And here's the other thing about that, that little encounter right there. Jesus didn't promise him the results then either. Jesus didn't say, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. He just simply said, go fishing again. Go fishing again. I don't know if you've ever been in that place before where it was just God calling you. And he was moving you to another place. And it was an uncomfortable place for you and me. It wasn't really where we and our nature that I'm going to go. It wasn't the choice we wanted to make. And we don't really have an end result. God didn't say, if you do this, then I'm going to do that. We're just obeying the voice and the word of the Lord. He just simply told Simon, you go fishing again. It was a step of faith where Simon simply said, I don't feel like doing this. Everything in my body everything in my heart, everything in my mind, all of, all of the logic behind this, none of this makes any sense, but nevertheless, nevertheless, I will. God's guidance and direction for our lives may not always be the most convenient. We may not like it one bit sometimes. He may be calling us, he may be calling on us to ask forgiveness from someone where maybe there's been a, a, an area of, of offense in our lives. Uh, we may not even be in the wrong in the situation, but, but the feelings we've been harboring toward this person or this event or this situation or the unforgiveness that we're carrying has now caused us to be the one in the wrong. And now God is compelling us and he's saying, watch out into the deep. Do something out of the ordinary. I'm calling you to a place of freedom. I'm calling you to a place of forgiveness. I'm calling you to a place of most likeliness. Launch out. I don't know what it may be for you, but it will most likely be something that you're not real comfortable with. When God is calling us out, when he's calling us out to the deep, it's usually not going to be something that we're just so gung-ho and ready to do, it's usually going to be something that's outside of our comfort zone. It's going to be something that challenges us. It's going to be something that stretches us because he's taking us to another place. It will probably be something that within yourself you don't even want to do. Just know that God is nudging us to make a nevertheless move that is out of our ordinary so that it opens us up to a world of the extraordinary that he will do in our lives. My next point is this. What feels like the end may actually be the beginning. What feels like to you and me, what feels like the end, most likely is actually the beginning. Think about, think about what this was like for Simon. This was the morning after the morning after a long night of trying his best, doing everything that he could, leaning on all of his understanding as a, as a professional fisherman, but in the morning having nothing to show for it. I don't know how many of you ever found all you could in that place of life. You did all you could do. You served all you could serve. You worked all you could work. And then you wake up one day and you say, what happened? Where is it? What do I have to show for all of this? No doubt this is where Simon was in his life on this day. He's given up on something that he's worked hard for. He was discouraged. He was tired. He was weary. I want to encourage all of us today in this room 
Do not allow a season of weariness and tiredness and discouragement to cause us to miss out on what God has for us. I know, there's some, I know there's some folks in the room today, and if I was to walk up to you today in Walmart this afternoon, I'd simply ask, how you doing? Most of you might respond to me with, I'm just so busy. And what you're really saying is, I'm, I'm just so weary, and, and, and I'm just so tired, and life is so full. My encouragement is, don't allow these seasons of weariness. We're all going to go through seasons of weariness. We're all going to find ourselves in tired places and discouraged places in our lives. But don't allow these moments, don't allow in these moments to let yourself miss out on what God is doing in the middle of it all. So often we are guilty of allowing our weariness to determine our actions. And many times what's even worse is we allow our weariness to determine our reactions. And we're responding to everything in life based on the foundation of our weariness and our tiredness and our fatigue. We allow our busyness to stop us from doing something that God is actually calling us to do. There's going to be seasons in our life when we feel like nothing's working. Am I the only one? Am I the only one in the room that's found yourself in those seasons before? It was those winter seasons when there's no growth and everything looks like it's dead around. Everything's just dried up all around. Have you ever been there? I've been there before. We've, in those moments when it seems like nothing's working, nothing's living, nothing's growing, nothing's going right. Seasons when we're tired and we're weary. Seasons when we feel like we just want to check out. But this is when we've got to have the nevertheless in our spirit. It's in these moments, in these, it's in this winter season of our life when we have to have the nevertheless in our life. Simon said, he said this, he says, I fished all night and I caught nothing. I'm tired and I'm weary. I don't really have any hope now. I don't really have any dreams anymore. There's no more passion inside of me. But nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will. It's in these tired and weary seasons of life that we need this nevertheless word inside of us that says, I'm going to keep doing what you've told me to do. I'm raising you, moving forward. I'm going to keep obeying you. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep praising you. I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to choose to start my morning every day with a song of praise to you. I'm going to proclaim your word, God, over my life and over my future and over my family and over my home. I'm going to give even when I don't feel like I can afford to give. I'm going to be obedient, God, to your word. I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow tiredness and weariness to cause me to miss out on what God has in this season of my life. Is it okay that I'm getting a little noisy today? You forgive me for that? I ain't mad at nobody. I'm just excited about it. I'm excited about God's word. Galatians 6, 9 tells us this. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, another, another version says, at the right time, in just that right moment, God has a perfect time. He has a perfect plan. And at that right moment, at that right time, we will reap if we do not lose heart. If you don't give up, if you don't close up your heart and your mind to the possibilities of what God can and will do in our lives, if we don't lose heart, if we don't shut down, if we just have a nevertheless in our spirit, you're going to reap in due season. You're going to reap at the right time. Don't allow the fact that you're tired and that it's just not working out. Don't allow this to be a sign that you're supposed to be tired. With. Then in those moments when we're tired, when we're weary, when we have no hope left, when, when it seems like all of our dreams are dying in front of us, it's in those moments more than ever that we have to plant our feet deep. We have to pour concrete on this thing and say, nevertheless, at your word. When God laid out the plan for our life, he already lined up the right people at the right time. He lined up the right breaks to come in our lives at the right time. He lined up the right opportunities. He even lined up the right roadblocks and the right red lights and the right detours. He lined all of this up. You and I don't know what's just around the corner when we move past our season of weariness. You have no idea what's about to unfold in your life when you just wake up one morning and say, nevertheless, I don't feel it, I don't want it, I don't see it, but God nevertheless. There's a book that came out about the year 2000. 
Malcolm Gladwell was the name of the, the author. It's a, a, a book about, he's a sociologist, and it's a book about sociology and, and how kind of cause and effect and the way certain things happen uh, in, in our society and in our, in our world. And, uh, and, and the title of the book was The Tipping Point. The Tipping Point. The, 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 the tagline is how things make a big difference. The Tipping Point. And I guess in Christian terms, I would put it this way. The tipping point would be this. It would be that moment of breakthrough right before breakdown. It's that moment that when I don't give up, that moment whenever I've made up in my mind, God, I'm going to trust you, come what may. God, I'm putting my faith and all of my trust in my hope. It's in you, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, even when I don't understand it, when I have more questions than I have answers. God, I'm planting my feet here, and nevertheless, I'm going to trust you. Nevertheless, I'm going to follow you. And, and you're right there at that moment where you feel like all hell is going to break loose, and you're going to just collapse, and it's that moment of breakdown. And right before the moment of breakdown, there is that moment of breakthrough he called it Malcolm Gladwell called it the tipping point the tipping point in the book I didn't write this down I just happened to think about it in the book he tells about the the company hush puppy you remember the shoes hush puppies and um you know where hush puppies originally got their name you know where the term hush puppy comes from back in the day when 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 mama would be frying the hot hot cornbread on the in the in the, in the oven I mean on the stove top and frying that, frying that bread, and, and, um, and, she'd, and little, those little pieces of cornbread would kind of come off of the, the big pieces, you know. She'd take a little piece and throw it at the dog, say, hush, puppy. Um, I try. <laughs> Ten million comedians out of, out of a job, and I'm, I think I'm fixing to get my big break, so... But the, the, this company, I guess it was Wolverine, was ultimately the company that, that produced these. And, and uh, 1958 is when the company started. And, and um, they had now gone through three to four decades of, of a company, and they had, their, 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 um, their sales had plummeted. The year 1993 or 94, somewhere in there, I believe they sold 30,000 pair of hush puppies, which was nothing. They were on the, on the verge of bankruptcy. And then... Some kid walks into a consignment store in Greenwich Village in New York, walks into this consignment store and sees this old pair of hush puppies on the shelf, a used pair of hush puppies. And the kid says, man, that looks like some cool shoes. I think I'll get those. He gets them, he wears them to a party in Manhattan. All of a sudden, everybody else is coming around on the dance floor and saying, man, that's some cool shoes. Where'd you get those? And they all converge on the little consignment store. And the consignment store owner finally decides to call, call the company Hush Puppy and say, can you get me some more of those shoes? There's a demand. And the next year, they sold 430,000 pair of Hush Puppies. The year after that, they sold four times that. It was a tipping point. It was a tipping point. It was that moment of breakthrough just before the breakdown. God's not doing this to us because he's a cruel God. God's not doing this to us because he likes to play tricks and games with his kids. God's doing this because he wants there to be less of us so that there's more capacity for him. And when we get to that point, whenever, whenever we're so full of life and we're so full of stress and we're so full of, 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 of no dreams and no hope, and then all of a sudden in that moment when we say, nevertheless, it just breaks open the floodgates and all of a sudden the lid comes off and all of a sudden there is a capacity for God to do what he's been waiting for us to do to him who is able to do more greater than abundantly more than we could ever ask or think according to what's inside of us according to the capacity that is inside of us so nevertheless God open me up God do in me what only you can do God already has our yes planned out for us we may have been told no over and over again, but God has the final say. He says yes. He says a yes is coming your way no matter how many times you've been told no. 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says this, For all, and in him all, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. This is what will move us through the season of weariness, 
knowing that there is a yes that he has planned for us. We'll have to go through some no's before we get to our yes. We'll have to knock on some closed doors that are probably not going to open. But before we get to our yes, but God has a yes waiting on you. He's just waiting for you to say nevertheless. Nevertheless, I love, I have a great appreciation for what I call cold call salesmen. These guys that, I'm not talking about you're sitting in a store and people come in and you're trying to sell them what they come in there to get. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about people who have leads on something. They heard that somebody over here has need of this and I'm selling this. I'm talking about cold call. I'm talking about the kind of, the kind of salesman that they go and knock on a door and they don't even know what's on the other side of the door. And they got to convince somebody on the other side of that door that they need what they're selling when they don't even know they need what they're selling. I have the greatest admiration for these folks. Because I don't know how they do it. I couldn't do it. The first five or six no's that I got, I'd be, I'd be done. You know, see you. I, I'm out of here. I, I need to go do, I need, a, I need a regular job. I need a cold job. I mean, I can't, I can't do this anymore. But I love a salesman. I love a cold call salesman. And I love, because it it's a special breed. It's a special kind of person. Because they're the kind of person that just, they, it's somewhere deep down in their spirit, they say, you know what? I may knock on 20 doors today. And the first 19 might tell me no, but there's a yes out there. And, and I may have to knock 30 doors, but I know the yes is out there. And they never give up, and they keep knocking on the doors, and they keep going, and they keep going, and they face one opposition after another opposition, one no after another no, because they know that the yes is out there. So they get what they do is cold call salesmen. They have this, they have this uh, embedded nevertheless in their heart and in their spirit. The end of the day is simply the beginning of the next day. The end of one chapter is the beginning of a new chapter. It's not the end of the story. It's just simply a nevertheless move in the story. When you're reading a book and you change chapters, it's not the end of the story. It's just the end of that part of the story and it's a shift in the story. I, I love to preach about and talk about and, and study seasons, seasons, seasons in our climate, uh, fall, winter, spring, and summer. And, and if you live here in the deep south, we are so prone to complaining about every complaint. stinking season, don't we? I mean, we complain because it's too hot and too humid in August. And then we're complaining because, because my sinuses are messing up in, in, in fall whenever the weather starts changing. And then I'm complaining about it's too cold in the winter. And then in the spring, here comes the pollen and I'm going to deal with those sinuses all over again. And we're always complaining. There's the stormy season. There's the hurricane seasons that we have to deal with. And, and we're all hunkering down and we're, you know, we seem to find the negative in every season, don't we? Uh, when it's too dry and when it's too wet and, and, and we're in a drought and now it's flooding and, and, and it's never, we're always complaining about the seasons. But these seasons have to happen. They have to happen. They have to happen the way they happen. It's the only way that this whole thing works, this whole global thing works, this climate and this world, that's the only way it's going to work properly if we allow the seasons to do what the seasons are supposed to do. Did you know that a peach tree, the, the, way, the, the, the way it's produ what produces a, tr a peach tree the best is the coldest and the darkest and the hardest winters? You're sitting there, you're looking at a peach tree throughout the winter. You're saying, how could there be anything live in, alive in that? How could there be anything good in that? How could there be any growth in that? But the colder the winter, the greater the harvest is going to be in the peach. But we're looking at it in the winter saying, saying what's going to come of it? How could this ever be? How from God and good come from this? As we're going through these seasons, we have to remember this promise from God's word. It's found in Psalm 30, verse 5. He says, weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. I'm closing with this. For real. <laughs> weeping, weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Years ago, there was a praise and worship leader. And um, I was listening to a live project of his. And as he was giving some exhortation between the songs, he said, he said, joy comes in the morning. And he said, morning is not necessarily what has an AM behind it. He said, morning is when you wake up. 
Yeah, that is good, Kevin. God bless you. You want to come to the altar today? Because nobody else thought that was good. I thought it was great. Morning. Morning is not 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. Morning is when our spirit wakes up to the reality that God is wanting to do something in my life. It is a new day. It is a new chapter. God is making a shift in my life. And now I'm establishing a nevertheless moment in my life. Weeping endures for a night. But my heaven says, joy comes when I wake up. When I wake up to the fact. Verse 11 says, you have turned you have turned from me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. What we think is the end with God is usually only the beginning. When we think something is over, God says, I'm taking you into a brand new season. This is not the time to give up. I don't know who I'm talking to today. I don't know who walked into this room today feeling like I'm ready to just throw in the towel. I'm ready to give up. I have no hope left. My final point is this, if I can kind of simplify it for all of us. What feels like a little thing is often the big thing. What may feel like a little thing is oftentimes the big thing. Think about Simon for a minute. Thousands of times. No doubt at this point, thousands of times he's gotten into the boat and went out into the sea to cast his nets. It, this wasn't really a big deal. It was just kind of Simon's everyday deal that he did. Jesus didn't require or ask some big major thing from Simon. He said, go do what you do every day. But because of where Simon, Simon was, because of where he was in his mind, because of where he was physically, because of where he was in his heart, because of where he was with his attitude and his perspective, because of the place that Simon was, this little thing, this everyday thing, all of a sudden felt like and seemed like a big thing. Jesus. How could you dare ask me to do something like that? And all Jesus is saying is, all I asked you to do is just go do what you do every day. It's the little things, the little things, they, they, feel, they, they may feel like big things, but they're just the little things. So for some of us in this room, it's just God saying to us, get up, shake the dust off. Clear your heart, clear your mind, establish an attitude of nevertheless, I'm not moving, I'm only going to do and be obedient to what God has called me to do. Don't underestimate the power of the small things. They will often be the very thing God can today use to bring about the biggest miracle in our lives. We began today by talking about miracles. Who wants a miracle and who needs a miracle in our life? I want to tell you something. Don't underestimate the small things. So many times we sit around and we're waiting and we're watching for the explosion, the big demonstration, the big outpouring, and all the while God's saying, you just step out with a nevertheless in your spirit. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, God, at your word. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Would you stand with me today? Now, can I take just a minute and be very transparent with you today? It's no secret in this room that I personally am in a very disappointed place in my life. If we can't be real here, we can't be real anywhere. We don't need to be real anywhere else being real with you today. I've come here today and I stand here on this platform broken hearted. I will be honest with you. It feels a little silly to say it, but I feel a little shattered this morning. Hurt. Disappointed. Broken hearted. Anybody else in this room feel this way? Not for me or what I'm in my life, but for you. What you're dealing with. 
tell you something, I had a pretty sleepless night last night. I didn't think I was going to, but I did. Kept waking up every 30 minutes, staying awake for about an hour, and then going to sleep for 30 minutes and waking up for an hour. Just perplexed. And I'll be honest with you, throughout the night last night, can I tell you the last place I really wanted to do, the last thing I wanted to do this morning was I wanted to, the last thing I wanted to do was get out of that bed and get dressed and come here and stand here and preach today. I wanted to come worship. I wanted to experience the presence of God and God's people, but I didn't want to do what I'm doing right now. I didn't feel it in me. As a matter of fact, the word that I'm preaching today, and forgive me if it's a little selfish that I'm preaching it. I hope you're getting something out of it. But the word that I'm preaching today was not the word that I had prepared to speak today. But early this morning, about 5 o'clock, laying there and, 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 and despite all of my personal feelings, all of my shattered and broken heart, all of the question marks with no answers, in the middle of all of that, a word rose up in my spirit. A word that came, I believe, straight, straight from God. And it simply said, nevertheless. Nevertheless. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter the questions in your mind. That doesn't change who I am. That doesn't change the mandate and the calling that I have on your life. You get up, boy. And you do what I've called you to do. And this thing that ordinarily for me because it's something I do every week, would be a little thing. It was a big thing today. It was a big thing to peel myself out of that bed and go to my computer and begin to type away and research and look because it was a nevertheless moment. I want to tell you something. Just speaking that word, just, just falling into that word, just letting that word sink down in my heart today, I'm going to tell you something. I'm a different man right now than I was about three hours ago because here's what happened here's what happened when I, when, I, when I planted my feet on the side of that bed and I said in my heart and in my spirit nevertheless all of a sudden something began to open up all of a sudden the windows of heaven began to open up all of a sudden the glory of God began to fall all of a sudden the spirit of God began to work and move and I want to tell you something I walked in this room today I felt the presence of God across this room today I felt him moving and working among us and, and he this room and restoring and doing a mighty work today I felt that today I, I believe you felt it in this room today too you know why because there were some folks today that woke up and said I don't feel like going to church today I don't feel like lifting my hands and worshiping the Lord but nevertheless nevertheless Nevertheless, at your word, I will worship you. At your word, I will adore you. At your word, I will extol you, Lord. And when his praises go up, his glory comes down. He heals, he restores. If you're in this room today and you need a miracle from God, here's what I'm asking you to do. I've said it many times before. I hope I don't have to repeat it, but I'm going to. You, nothing, nothing magical about the front of this room. We don't have altar call uh, quotas or any of that kind of stuff. But I want to tell you something, there's something powerful whenever we make that move. It's got, God's not impressed by anything that we do and it's certainly not to make a show at church but there's something about me when I step outside of my comfort zone, I do something out of the ordinary and I say nevertheless, nevertheless I don't feel it but I'm going to do it and I want to encourage you today if you have that need in your life, if there's that miracle that you're desiring and needing in your heart, in your life, in your family, I want to tell you something that's waiting for you today. God is just calling, he's beckoning us, he's compelling to us today and he's saying just step out and do the, un do, do the do, do what's not ordinary for you so I can do the and as they ordinary in your life. And I wanna, I'm going to open this altar up in just a moment. They're going to begin to sing, and as they sing, I'm just going to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be bold about it. Put your chest out and hold your, hold your head high. This is, not a, this is not a cower down moment. This is not a, this is not a be, 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 be broken moment. This is a moment of saying, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to do what you've called me to do. I'm launching out into the deep. I'm letting go of all that stuff that's holding me down. And God, I want you to do the miraculous in my life. I'm going after you, God. It's all about you. I'm opening these altars up today, and I'm encouraging you to come. If it's you and your family together, you and your spouse together, whoever it is, as they sing today, I'm encouraging you. I'm just believing. 
I'm believing that we're going to see some miracle moments in the house today. We're going to hear testimony in this next week of what God has done in your life, in your heart, in your family, in your finances, all because we took a stand and said, nevertheless, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. Now have your way in the only way that, that you can do it, in the only way that you will do it. We, we trust you. Have your way in every life. In Jesus' name. I have this confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God. The still inside the storm, the promise of the shore. And I trust the power of your word. Enough to seek your kingdom first. Beyond the barren place, beyond the ocean waves. Oh, when I walk through the waters, I won't be overcome. When I go through the rivers, I will not be drowned. My God will make a way. So I
take a moment this morning. Let him do what only he can do in this few, just this few seconds this morning. Just let him do. Can we just rest for a moment? Can we just wait for just a moment? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. thankful today, God, that healing is taking place right now. Restoration is happening. Freedom is coming. Victory is coming. Thank you, Lord, for the yes that is just outside these doors today. There's been one no after another no after another no, but Lord, there's a yes, and it's your yes, and you say yes, and you say amen. We cheese for it today. Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's give him another great ovation of praise today. Amen. Amen. Now, before you leave out of here, before you leave out of here, I want to I want to say something completely off the subject of everything. That is this. Daddy had to slip out because he had to go speak at a church in Fort Necessity this morning. That's why he left early. But next time you see George Bates, you tell him that we had a great worship service. You tell him that I preached the fire down from heaven. You tell him we had a powerful altar call today. And it's still just 1150. God bless you. Go today.